0: Welcome to Spirit in the Schools, a show revealing the Holy Spirit through self gift and education. And now, here's your host, Mr. Zach Coyle.
1: Spirit in the Schools. Welcome back, listeners, to Spirit in the Schools, where we share stories from education that show the Holy Spirit and give practical tips for family life. Today's topic expands from a recent episode. What can we do to increase faithfulness? Today, we're going to look at one other answer to that, and it has to do with relationships. I'm here with Chris Lucius, pastoral associate at Queen of Angels Parish here in Fort Wayne and adjunct professor of theology at University of St. Francis, where Chris teaches classes on prayer. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for being
0: with us. Good to be with you, Zach.
1: We really appreciate you being on today. So a great starting point. I love this story. So on the topic of relationship, Chris, I believe when you met your wife in the time
0: that you met, you were an active seminarian at the time. Do I have that correct? Basically, yes. So at the time that I met Lindsay, who is now my wife, Um, I had been in application to the Congregation of Holy Cross. Um, We met on a trip to the Holy Land with Father Jacob Meyer. Okay, right. um, It was a beautiful experience to go to the Holy Land. and I maintained my, uh, (laughs) kind of progress towards seminary. Um, it was a good friendship. There were 70 people on that trip and we were the only two people our own age. So we, um, you had
1: a natural draw right there. The Lord was
0: designing this goodness. Yeah. And, and she, um, very clearly wanted to, to not get in the way of the Lord's work. And so, um, we, we maintained a friendship, but then I did go to seminary and throughout that time of postulancy, I discerned, um, both the idea of, of seminary to the priesthood, but then also like religious life with the Congregation Holy Cross. And following those nine months, um, I chose not to petition for the novitiate um, after discernment with my spiritual director and um, my postion director. It seemed like a prudent decision. And then um, through the grace of uh, Father Jacob Meyer, God working through him, sure, he uh, allowed me to live with him following that really? seminary experience. I did not
1: know that part of the story. That's yeah. awesome. Um,
0: I had been a Franciscan friar in the Diocese of of Fort Wayne South Bend pre- previously, and he yes. helped some of my friar uh, buddies kind of transition back to regular life, awesome. kind of operating as a halfway house at St Monica's, and so um, living with him right at the start of COVID. <clears throat> um, oh man, okay, yeah, and it was it was beautiful too because all the other seminaries shut down, so Zane and Steve Horton and my friend Jay, we were all there with Father Jacob. Oh wow, um, what good a beautiful fraternity! Time. Yeah, and was discerning okay, what do I do now? And with the approval of a of a spiritual director who I spoke with. Um, I called Lindsay and we started talking and it became a regular thing. And then we were able to visit each other during that initial time of 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 COVID. And then when everything really opened up, I moved to Fort Wayne. And um we dated for those several months um, afterwards and then did get engaged in December of twenty twenty and married in July of twenty oh, twenty. That's a beautiful
1: story. Just God's grace in that you know, that spark from the Holy Land, nine months then for you in, in seminary with the Holy Cross. Is that right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it had been about um, a year and nine months with the friars before that. Okay. Um, mm-hmm.
1: But then when you were discerning out and you were with Father Jacob Meyer, for that that spark to turn into flame is just is pretty cool. So, one of the things that uh, when you moved to Fort Wayne, I should have actually asked that real
0: quick. Is that when you took on the role at Queen of Angels? Not initially. <clears> um <throat> I worked with a friend's family business. It was actually a marketing firm and dealing more with insurance. So it was dramatically different and not my favorite experience, even though the people were wonderful. Sure. Um, but a friend of mine whose wedding I was in, and he was in my wedding, um, told me that Queen of Angels had an opening for pastoral associate. Okay. And I didn't really know Father, Father Zach Barry, who was the pastor at the time, or the the church too well, but um, Mary Jo Parrish, who's a friend, um, had worked there previously, and she Highly recommended and encouraged and supported. Um, checking that out, and I applied and I got the job. So I've been there for about a year now. Great. Um, it's a small place, so I have a lot of different roles, and it's it's a joy to be there now with Father Spencer St. Louis as pastor and Dennis Wigman as principal. It's it's, it's very good.
1: Yes, Dennis is a colleague, and and you know I think highly of him. So very that's much, that's yeah. really great, and certainly Father Spencer too. Although I just know him less well uh, than I know Dennis, but Fort Wayne it, native. Yes, yeah. So thinking about the Holy Spirit's work in my own life, it's been a story of of almost like gradual, uh, more revealing of the Lord's plan, gradual steps towards the kingdom in a deeper way, towards discipleship in a deeper way. And I was thinking about that because you had taken pretty large steps wondering if the Lord was going to call you to, not only in seminary then, to be in religious life, to be a priest, but indeed the Lord had a different vocation in mind, right? True. So as you've taken those steps... Uh, you were eventually led to Queen of Angels. And then I believe from that is where you had the opportunity to discern, to
0: join University of St. Francis as an adjunct professor. Unexpected blessing, but a great joy um, because the Sisters of St. Francis, which run the university, also attend, some of them attend Queen of Angels because we're right nearby. Yes. And when Sister Jacinta got promoted to director of campus ministry, she reached out to me knowing I had a master's, um, asking if I'd be willing to teach a class to help cover her load, which she couldn't cover anymore. And I was humbled and honored and, um, t- yeah, deeply moved and touched. And I said, I would love to do this. And it's been a class on prayer and worship. Did that, um, taught that last semester and have just started this semester. Um, I'm learning maybe as much as the students are. I love <laughs> I it. I hope they're learning. That's, that's
1: beautiful. Oh, they are. I, I know that. But that shows, I think, the real grace of a teacher who is very mission-driven and loves the Lord is that we learn from our students and we learn from the content in an ever deeper way, right? So. Yeah. That is some questions I wanted to ask you about. So certainly. we think about the Holy Spirit being present in our schools. Certainly, you would think in an obvious way, well, hey, you're teaching prayer, but I think it's it's the nuance of relationship and how you go about that. So those are some questions I wanted to start with about while you're teaching that, how do you engage with your students in prayer? Are you inviting them to pray or, or more about how are you teaching them what prayer looks like? You know, it's the study of prayer versus actually praying, or is it more both? What does
0: it look like? How do you set it up? Yeah, maybe it's a bit different than most people would experience. So there's two ways that um, this conversation can even go because at Queen of Angels, I work as, so we don't have a DRE. So I cover the DRE tasks and the sacramental prep stuff. So I'm working with like little kids, second graders or eighth graders for confirmation. Sure. um, And their parents. So this last year, we had the parents come to the different meetings. So I'm talking to little kids, older kids, their parents. You have quite a range of need, right? And then college students too. And in some ways, even though, college students are older, some of them may have a second grade level of knowledge of the Bible and of faith. Sure. Um, not to say anything too critical, but just that's the reality of like, they, they've never been introduced to this. Right. Like if you listen to that Child LaBeouf interview, no one had ever given them the gospel before. Sure. And so some of these um, students have grown up and just, this is new. And the University of St. Francis requires two theology classes of every student. Everyone takes Franciscan tradition as their fundamental class, okay. which right. is meant to be an introduction to Christianity and Catholicism in particular and the life of St. Francis, knowing, because he he lived in a culture which was Christendom. There was no Protestant. It was all- Yes, a whole different Christianity time in human history. Yeah. Yes. Um, but um, that class has been taught by a variety, that foundational class has been taught by different professors without as much consistency as they've wanted thus far. Okay. They're working on sure. that. So I've got students that are coming in with all kinds of backgrounds. USF is a, a not- um, the percentage of Catholic students is is lower than one might expect at a Catholic school. So a lot of students come in um, who are not Catholic, or at least in my class, uh, it's the second required class to graduate, a theology class to graduate. Um, And I asked them at the beginning, tell me why you're here. And if that's why, just tell me. And they said, yeah, this is, um, I had to take a class. This is the only one that fit my schedule. Seemed easy. How hard could prayer and worship be? I was like, okay, that's fair.
1: Um, Oh, man, a question for perennially enduring spiritual life. How hard could prayer and worship be? (laughs) That's fair. Boy, we could do a whole other uh, podcast just on that.
0: That's true. Um, And so I want them to—this is— like the way we talk about like confirmation class, this is the last maybe required thing they will ever have to do for their faith. Right. And so I want this to be an enjoyable experience. I want them to get the theory as you asked, but I want them to get the practice too. Yes. There's there's a, if you've seen the movie Gravity with Mm -hmm. Sandra Bullock, there's that line where like she's about to get like drift off where she's an astronaut in space. And she says something along the lines of like, I would pray, but no one ever taught me how Mm -hmm. I want these kids to know if no matter what their situation is, that they're aware of how much God loves them and how to engage in that relationship. That's, That's fundamentally awesome. what this is about. Sure. So with the little kids, with their parents, with the college students, to know the love of God and to be able to engage with him, giving them the language and the pathways to encounter the Lord more deeply um, and knowing how to go deeper, introducing them to scripture in like little ways because it's, some ways, it's like giving them a drink out of a fire hydrant. right? And I realized right. that, um, but trying to show them at least in little little snapshots, um, how the Lord is revealing himself to them now and how you can continue to learn more through your own self-study. So that is beautiful because
1: probably in our modern era, one of the things we all find lacking uh, for anyone of any age, if they don't have that opportunity to have come to know Christ's love for them, almost always in that context, there's a challenge of some sort of identity. Now, somebody might feel that their identity is more set than someone else. And, you know, we we live out identity in different ways, but if we don't know that we're a love child of God, some part of our identity is, is adrift, right? So I love your foundation. You're mentioning then about trying to give uh, students the opportunity to go a little bit deeper, right? So certainly all of scripture at once in the depth there would indeed be a fire hose, but perhaps in the setup of your course, that's something you get to speak to. So what types of things do you do with that? So Helping them, you probably spend some time on that, and it's probably an enduring theme you touch on in every class, I would guess, that you are a loved child of God, right? God is willing your existence, my existence, all of our existence, at every moment. Right? Beautiful. But if you're, if you're inviting them, okay, what's a way that you can go deeper? What are some of the things you attempt to do throughout kind of the, the unfolding of that coursework?
0: Um. Showing them scripture, showing them kind of those those major covenantal themes, like covenant as as a major theme of the Bible. Sure. Really wanting them to see how the Old Testament and New Testament connect, because that's not always taught, even at graduate yes. levels. Oh, yes. Um, for Christians to understand the story of the Bible and then their place in it, to see the pathway from Adam to Noah to um, Moses to, to David. Um, I forgot Abraham. So, <laughs> Adam, <laughs> Noah, Abraham, Moses, David— Jesus, yes, um, and like those fundamental identities of of Son, firstborn Son, of Priest, Prophet, King, yes, of of Bridegroom. Seeing how Jesus fulfills all those and the the ways they're prefigured in the people before Him, um, that we enter into a relationship with God, that we share in His in His gifts and His identity too, um, because we are we are brothers and sisters in Christ. That is beautiful. Um, Because if we don't know where we come from, we don't, we have a harder time knowing where to go and how to go. So my favorite class in college was very simple. Every class just about, he drew a vertical line and then it was an arrow. So he would draw like a curved line to the right and then little arrowhead and said, the first line is your life. You exist. The second line is the duration of your life, the way the ups and downs and the curves Mm -hmm. and the the giant mess that it could make. And then the arrowhead is where it ends and it should end. With Christ, and so he would draw a cross. Okay. Um, if you exist, and then you have a sense of where you want to go, you can judge every action you do by how well it's getting you to that goal, just like you would if you were an athlete. I have a lot of athletes in my class; they know what it takes to prepare for their game, for their goal, to right. achieve their mission. Right. And it's beautiful, and it's meant to be training not only of the body, but then also for for life of the soul, because you will die. But if you are alive, like we believe we, you have an eternal soul, you will live forever. Amen. It's a matter of where you will live. Right. And are you preparing for that? Because the athletic achievements you do are as wonderful as they are, will fade. In 500 years, no one will remember if you scored that touchdown or not. But your soul will exist in a perpetual state somewhere based on the actions you take in this life today. But well, I just
1: love hearing your own faith. It's a beautiful gift to be able to witness that with you, Chris. Thank you. It's a joy to share. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking that you're talking a lot about setting goals. So when we're thinking about growing faithfulness, and and we'll get back to that with relationship, but it sounds as if in the planning of your coursework, you're really speaking to students about that. So like you have the athletes mm-hmm. who understand what is needed, you know, what is needed. They'll have a goal for I'm going to do these drills so that I can get to this point in my speed or in this point in my throwing or, you know, whatever the sport is. In our case, the goal, of course, is, you know, union with God. And and we live that out not only in prayer now, but in union with others. So you're it sounds as if you're really giving them ideas about how do you walk towards that goal, which is inherently increasing faithfulness, right? Uh-huh. So Maybe it. Maybe it, this is a question with that is, so what are assignments
0: looking like? Because it, oh, yeah, it sounds yeah. as if they're structured to help them live that goal out. Certainly. Um, in class directly, it's been theory, but then we've also done like liturgy of the hours because you, ha- you have the sort of progression of vocal prayer yes. of the voice, meditative prayer of the mind, and contemplative prayer of the heart. Yes. Walking them through that, um, giving them kind of a, a framework of praying, a daily examine. Mm-hmm. Um Last year, I had everyone go to a Catholic Mass okay. in an experience that was different than what they had been familiar with. So, all the non-Catholics, I said, go to Catholic Mass anywhere. All the yeah. um, people who I d- had identified as Catholic, I said, go to a Byzantine liturgy at St. Andrews mm. or go to a Latin Mass sure. at Sacred Heart. And um, gave them some guidance on like what they would encounter when they went into that um, just to see what would happen. And there were a whole mix of responses, um, good and bad from— all sides. Sure. Of this was different and I liked it or this was different and I hated it. Um, and so I, I I, learned from that. I received and kind of cataloged the responses. I'm not doing that again. Um, it'll be a little di- different this time. So I haven't assigned any like tests. It's been more like quizzes to make sure they're following with the right. reading and the classes. Sure. And then reflection papers. One on the Our Father. One um, which will actually be kind of focused on, on the Eucharist. Um I don't know if they know that yet.
1: No, that's beautiful. That's great. But the
0: interactive experience will be a class period instead of going to mass and everyone having a sort of a different experience of that. And I'm not always sure, well, what was their experience like versus theirs? To be able to address it all at once Mm -hmm. for one class um, and maybe two, maybe we'll do it right before the end of the school year too, to invite them to the chapel at USF, which is a beautiful chapel. It is, yes. And have an hour and 15 minutes instead of in the classroom in the chapel with contemplative prayer, with adoration, with um, a reflection from Father Brian Eisenberger, a USF grad, and praise and worship music from Caleb Perkins.
1: You've got to let me know the date of this because I'd like to be there for that. I think That'd be it's great.
0: October um, 19th, I think, um, at 6 p.m. Great. Awesome.
1: So the if, the, if they're there, the reflection paper, what types of things will
0: you ask them to draw out from that? Um. It'll be a little bit of a working conversation between Father Brian and I. Sure. Um, but to help them sort of engage with what we've already discussed. Yes. And lay it all before the Lord. So, again, I earlier I referenced that, that Shia LaBeouf interview. But um, what, he, what he found was that in being given the gospel, he heard the words, let go. Let go of all the things he was holding on to that were crushing him. That he was trying to, like, he didn't really know what to do with. He was in a depressive state. Sure. He was also trying to hang on because this is all he knew. And he heard God say, let go. And, and also, I think kind of the other side of that is grab onto me. And so I want them to really look into their heart and say, and hear God say, I love you. You are my beloved son or daughter. Amen. Yeah, that's beautiful. This is what I'm asking of you, but I'm ultimately asking for your heart. And is there anything in the way of you giving me your heart? Consider putting that aside because I will be, I'm your dad. I'm your heavenly father. Yes. I love you. And I want you to be totally and fully and completely immersed in my love and in in ultimate joy. And sometimes the things we hold onto that we think give us immediate joy, don't give us Eternal pleasure.
1: <laughs> yes. Generally, none of the things yeah. that we hold on to that we think give us joy. Yes. Momentary happiness, maybe a moment that actually extends, right? So, Chris, this is beautiful because what I'm hearing, you're working to teach prayer, but you're really deeply vested in that relationship with your students because you're really inviting them to an authentic you know, witness and ultimately discipleship and union to God himself, right? And I feel like there's probably a lot of times when a professor, a teacher at any level— may not come to the work with that same thoughtfulness that, okay, well, I'm, you know, this is my content. I'm going to teach this. In listening to you, you have this deep desire for your students to really encounter how much the Lord loves them and to really encounter that moment in prayer. So to, to ask them to, I know that you weren't continuing from before, but, you know, to see a different type of a Catholic mass, or to get to any Catholic mass. And now that you're even like planning for that in a deeper level with, with adoration and, and to have Father Brian be present to that uh, and Caleb as well, you are modeling uh, a number of different ways for them to do that. So it's it's really a beautiful thing. Have you found you. now, this is <laughs> your second iteration of the course, right? Mm-hmm. So it may not be from this class because it's often the case in my own life anyway, that the Lord tends to operate on his own timing. So it could be that Certainly. it's, you know, it takes years or, or decades. So it could have come from before, but have you found um, just a particular time when somebody was responsive to that and, you know, you were working to, to invite them to this and it may not be that that's been particularly how the Lord did it yet, but I'm, I'm curious to know that because I, like, I see that, that fire that you have in your heart for, for getting that, you know, so have you, have you had any moment like that along the way?
0: I've had some feedback and most of the feedback has been positive about the class um, and there's a couple of stories I could share with that, but the one that's moved me most had less to do with me. Okay. Um, it was one of the confirmation students at Queen of Angels. Oh, nice. Who, who came week in, week out, just about, um, but never really seemed super intensive or engaged and came on the confirmation retreat run by Damascus at Bishop Dwenger High School. Yes. And I watched him have a conversion throughout that day. That was incredible. Um, the sacraments do what our Lord promises they will do. And he was... Um, willing to go to confession early on and that opened him up. That's like the, one of the things we talk about in the class is the twofold movement of grace of like detaching from sin and then filling it up with the Lord, yes. right? Jesus says, like, right. don't just expel the demons, like fill it up with the good. Otherwise, right. there's, if it's just empty, the demons are going to come back and it'll be worse. Yes. Um, so to watch him say, Going to confession was like when you fill your backpack up with all the stuff from your locker at the last day of school, and then you just, it's so heavy, but then you like take it off and like the weight, it just falls off your back. Yes. That was his analogy he used. Yes. Wow. What a beautiful metaphor. Yeah. And it allowed him to be open to what happened next, where the Damascus missionary talked about a real miracle he saw in his own life. And this kid was like, whoa, like God God is God is real. I just felt it. And I, I know it's real because I feel it even in a different way now that I long for this. I yes. actually want to be confirmed now in a way that like, I didn't even think about before. And um, he ended up being able to talk to that Damascus missionary. And then he had shared some stuff with me privately, the, the student did. Sure, right. That the, the, the Damascus missionary um, brought up when he was praying with him. And it wow. kind of blew this kid's mind and just about the reality of how God listens to us and knows yes. the desires of our heart and wants us to be happy and is with us, right? That's Jesus says, um, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And I mean, Jesus' name, um, God with us, right? That is a beautiful
1: story. It's incredible that it was confession. And it and it, it should, in some sense, be no surprise, because mm-hmm. that is exactly what our Lord taught us. But But yet we come to it from the brokenness of the world, and it is incredible. Like, here's a sacrament, somebody being open to that, moving towards the Lord, and doing that. Open his heart. I love that metaphor. Backpack, super heavy backpack, end of the year, all that just falling away. I think anyone who's ever done that, or if you've ever tried to run with weights, which I am not that kind of a runner at all, uh, I don't do that, but I've tried it once for just to see what it's like. And it and it is, it. you are literally weighed down, right? And we can be weighed down by sin. Mm-hmm. And in that forgiveness from the Lord, and certainly the priest stands in the person of Christ to do that for us, but like God forgiving our sins that weight is gone, and then it opens up that twofold, like you're saying. So it's then reaching to fill our hearts with God's grace. So what a beautiful story, Chris. That's yeah. awesome.
0: I should add that I mean, mass was part of that as well as was adoration. So it all
1: just all of the sacraments present. Yeah. Well, maybe not all seven, but sacramental life indeed present. And <laughs> yeah, in. yeah, yes, exactly. amen. That's beautiful. So you know, I think for a parent who's listening, we we think about your work to teach prayer at St. Francis, and you're really teaching that. I hadn't known before we started the, the direct work is DRE at Queen, so you're really teaching that in the, the eighth and second grade worlds. So when you're doing that, there's a few themes that, that I have heard for sure. So sacraments have to be a habit of that. And the more that we are bringing sacraments in, you are seeing faithfulness in response. This young man that you just talked about in eighth grade, right? Yeah. So that is beautiful. With your students at St. Francis, you're also offering the opportunity to pray with them in relationship. Mm-hmm right so that they're not you're not telling them here's something about prayer go okay. off goodbye good luck right you continue to talk to them about the love of god and you're even setting up this experience so can we increase faithfulness yes but we have to be willing to do that with others right mm-hmm. so there might be somebody out there who can commit to a deep level of prayer they're already far enough along and faithfulness will grow but if we're really going to see that growth within our own hearts it's it's by reaching for others right and so for bringing them to the sacraments and, and obviously we need the help of the priest then, but we're literally inviting them to come to the table, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can see that faithfulness grow. Mm-hmm. And then I think for you too, you're actually praying with them. It's not just, okay, here is certain forms of prayer. Good luck. It's I will go and pray with you. And we're going to do that together in this mass. There again, you're making that a relational thing and it's, it's beautiful. So there's some element of repetition, right? The course requires that. So
0: how often does the class meet? I didn't even get to ask you that. Monday, Wednesday. Um, so twice a week for an hour and 15 minutes each. Right. And the, the primary text we've been using in my own life, I've been deeply moved by Dr. Brant Petrie's work on the Jewish roots of our faith, of the Eucharist, of Our Lady. Um, this is kind of the Jewish roots of, of prayer because he's focusing on like how did the Jews pray with, sure. with the Psalms, with the Shema, um, ironically, Caleb's music group is, is the Shema worship. Yes. Um, like hero Israel, the Lord is our God. Um, the prayer that would be prayed morning and evening by all the Jews, just reflecting on the, on the goodness of God and to love him with all your mind, with all your heart your soul and your strength. Um, and I'm touched by, I'm, I'm moved by, um, Dr. Bram Petrie's words of like, you, you talked earlier about this kind of experiential, um, way of educating. And I'm deeply moved by that because I was a Franciscan. I think that's a Franciscan kind of style of like embodying it. And I think that's what got child above too, like the really tangible grittiness. Oh, Um, yes. And that's what I um, want to engage with my students, um, how I want to engage them. Um, Well, I think,
1: Chris, that's a beautiful uh, way when you think about engaging them, you are really talking about a very practical way of doing that. Which is yet another form of prayer, another modality, and an invitation. And that's actually, I think, a great place to to close is to invite our listeners who maybe aren't in Fort Wayne; they might be on Spoke Street nationally and not have the opportunity to come to Saint Francis or or to see our particular modes. But to think about how are we going to grow in faithfulness. And we've really talked about kind of two things. So we need to be able to build a routine around prayer, uh, and doing that, you know, over time it becomes a habit. So that might be one question for listeners. Where is God offering you or inviting you to pick up that habit, you know, some somewhere in your day? So I think that's one way to do that. And the relationships that you're talking about, too, with your students and at Queen, who might you invite to do that with you, right?
0: And if I can add, um, I grew up in eastern Pennsylvania, and it's different than Fort Wayne. It's different than kind of Midwest America. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, very influenced by kind of East Coast stuff now. Um. And it wasn't until I came to college, actually at Holy Cross in South Bend, that I saw people intentionally, like students my own age, praying after Mass. Yeah, I'd never seen that before. Oh, yeah. Because the normal Mass experience is just you're there, and then Mass ends, go in peace, and you're gone. Yes. And the intentionality to to remain with the Lord um, in a more contemplative way, because sometimes there's not a ton of silence in the Mass. Yes. um, That was different to me. And then when I went home and I showed it to my parents, they were like— all right, it's time to go to breakfast at the diner, or whatever. Yes. Um, sure. I was like, can we just wait like three or five minutes and just pray together? And then we're kind of like, okay. And this was many years ago. And so right. now, um adoration is a part of my my daily prayer life. And I right. encourage that for everyone. And that's become part of my I've seen that with my own parents now. Yes. Right? Um that's what I want my students to get to. And that's what I want people to take away from this, maybe is like, how do I, how do I grow in prayer? How do I make this part of my own life. Like what's, why do I listen to this podcast? Yes. I want to take something into my own life in a new way. Um, whether you're an individual, like a single individual person or like a parent, because I'm assuming most of the, your listeners are parents Absolutely. with kids in yes. school. Yeah. Um, to pray with your children. Yeah. Because the influence of the parents is huge. That's why I wanted parents with my sacramental prep kids, because I'm preaching to them as much as I'm preaching to the kids. Sure. The kids yeah, can get family. fired up. But if the parents aren't going to go to church or care, I'm. I can be the greatest evangelist in the world, and it won't have near the effect that it could if 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 if, if the parents aren't on board. Um, and sometimes it's lose. beautiful that yeah. the child
1: will help evangelize the parent.
0: And to so, some true. small way, mm. you
1: actually shared a story from your own life, just kind of anecdotally, in just a blip. But you did that, in that your mom and dad. Very normal for so many people practicing. Mass is over, see you later, right? Like there's nothing disrespectful about that. There's nothing right. inherently negative or wrong at all. But you invited a deeper relationship. Yeah. Let's stay. Let's pray together. And that's beautiful because you're you're inviting a habit, which is a deeper form of prayer. Mm. And I really do admire you for encouraging that contemplative prayer. And, and indeed, we need silence to be able to engage in that, right? So the mass is over, the church is silent but to invite your parents, right? So you're inviting parents now through your role of queen, but, but you're also inviting children to do the same. Mm. So Chris, you had shared about that great story about your eighth grader, who was just so moved by the Lord sacramentally. I thought I might ask you, cause you've had the experience of, of working with so many now, have you found another model along the way who has really helped speak to living that faithfulness, living that prayer life? Does somebody else come to mind for
0: you? Um, maybe in a particular way, um, father Daniel Kale, who's, um, parochial vicar, I think that's the title, at St. Charles Bormeo. I think you have it right, yes. Um, recently ordained, but um, I've known him for a few years, and he loves the liturgy. Um, and he has a particular devotion to like the tr- traditional Latin Mass. Sure. And he has permission to celebrate it privately. Okay. Um, so on his day off, I've he, he's allowed me the privilege to come over and actually be his server. Oh, wow. And so watching him celebrate Mass with just, without kind of any pressing time issues because I know how pressed pastors are to like fit it, fit mass in like half an hour or an, an hour on Sunday. And they have another obligation after yeah, too. and they have to run to so many other things. Yeah. And just for him to say mass with, um, and he doesn't take forever, but um, he's intentional about everything and it's, it's so beautiful. And then I see as like Pope Benedict wrote about in some more how it influences how he says mass yes. on a regular basis at the parish. And it's, it helps me pray better. Oh, that's um, awesome. And I would say also Father Logan Parrish, who's a good friend too, who just, um, yeah, he loves people in a way that inspires me to go out and be more evangelical than um, I would be on my own, um, to enter into the lives of of parishioners with sort of, I don't know, engagement that you think Christ would, because like, if you watch The Chosen you see Jesus like tabernacle means to like pitch your tent among us, right? That he's like dwelling among us. Yes. Um, He did that. Like the, our Lord did that throughout um, the journey in the wilderness with the, the Hebrew people throughout all that time. And then in a permanent way in the temple of Solomon. And now he comes to be with us in the Eucharist um, in every church throughout the world. Amen. Yeah. And Jesus with his disciples kind of like the chosen chose, like camped with them, like spent time with them. What is it? You asked me earlier about being a teacher being more maybe experiential focused than like a typical class might be. right? But that's what a rabbi was back in the day. I'm not trying to compare myself like to that necessarily or certainly not to our Lord. But they taught through experiences. Yeah. And they, it wasn't just a teaching. It was a way of life that you entered into. So they got to follow him for three years, seeing what he did, not just when he's on stage, not when he's just talking to the Pharisees or the people in his official preaching time. But everything he did, that way they knew how to model all aspects of their life off of him because he was their one teacher, not just in faith, but in everything. Right. Um, and so— well, it's
1: beautiful like, that you found priests who are modeling that level of uh, really the witness of Christ— and they're, they're speaking to you that strongly and that you're then emulating that for your own students. Mm. So I think one way to grow in faithfulness is actually just to go sign up
0: for your class, right? <laughs> that sounds I really mean, great. I mean, I won't deny anybody from just coming to the room. We're kind of tight on space right now. But if people just want to hang out, that's fine. I don't know that... Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but to really to be serious about this, it's really to say any effort we make to reach for the Lord in prayer and especially to invite others to do that with us is that effort to grow in faithfulness. And so you're doing that in a very profound way in your friendships with Father Daniel Kale, with Father Logan, with others that you've mentioned. But uh, very sincerely, any effort we make to, to reach that way will, will bear great fruit. So I think, Chris, that uh, is just a beautiful way to share that faithfulness. And uh, can't thank you enough. And thank you again so much for being
0: with us. Appreciate it. Good to be with you, too. And if you want to add, um, Father Dan Kale, Father Logan Parish's homilies are available on their parish websites, as are uh, Father Dan Kale's podcast, uh, Deus Vault, um, which can be downloaded where podcasts can be found.
1: Great place to give a perfect plug. I love it. Thanks, Chris. God bless you. Thanks for being with us. You've been listening to Spirit in the Schools. Zach Coyle has been your producer and host. This episode was edited by Tony Marks. And for more information,
0: go to Spokestreet.com slash spirit.
1: Spirit in the Schools!